on this episode of the Ministry of Motion Pictures podcast. We, we found Blackmagic cameras, their hardware and their software, their, their color grading software and editing software was a huge gift. And again, this is all like, we would not be able to do what we're doing now if we had started 10 years earlier because it just this, the tools weren't available. And now we can pack studios into our backpacks and fly across the world and just make it work. You're listening to the Ministry of Motion Pictures podcast, where we call faith-based filmmakers to cinematic excellence, bold storytelling, and sound theology. I'm writer-director and your host, Todd Schaefer. I love filmmakers who are bold and think outside of the box. My guest today, Stephanie Quick, is a producer who's done just that. In fact, in the past seven years, she and her nimble team of missions workers have produced eight movies, Armed with DSLRs and Blackmagic pocket cameras, with their studios based in home bomb shelters in the Golan Heights. The organization is called Frontier Alliance International, founded by Dalton Thomas. This organization is a strategic aid effort and a missional media production company. Their films are what I would characterize as cinematic documentaries, and their films are available to watch on YouTube for free. Their film that caught my eye was Sheep Among Wolves 2, which is about the explosive growth of the church in Iran. It has been watched over 600,000 times. FAI produces numerous podcasts that cover Middle Eastern issues, and they offer video Bible teaching that focuses on Israel, prophecy, and eschatology. This is episode 38. So Stephanie Quick, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, where are you located now? I am in northern Israel. I'm in the Golan Heights. So oh. nestled right up against Lebanon and Syria. And if we drive to the right spot on a clear day, you can get an eye on Jordan. Oh, that's exciting. I'd love to get over there at some point. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you are a writer-producer... Uh, and you're working for Frontier Alliance International. You've uh, been involved in eight films, Sheep Among Wolves, which is a series of films, Covenant and Controversy, which is also a series of films, The Frontier, Better Friends in Mountains, which is also a series of films. You've written a number of books um, mm -hmm. to trace a rising sun, confronting unbelief. Um, you know, when I've gone to your website, I'm just overwhelmed by the amount of resources you have, you guys have and the things that you guys are involved in. Um, uh, you've got a nice app. Uh, you've got podcasts, films, global Bible studies, music, TV, dispatches from many locations where uh, uh, Frontier Alliance International is operating. And I think I counted 14 and yet there's some undisclosed ones. So can you just help me understand what is, FAI. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the age old question, the eight year old question. Yeah. Um, FAI is first and foremost a creative access band of brothers. We, we were burdened by Romans 1520, and, and Paul is kind of bringing the book of Romans in for a landing and he's explaining, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come see you guys in Rome on my way to Spain. Cause he had to shift from his sending community in Antioch and get another sending community, another established community to support him as he moved in the other direction. he said, because I've made it my ambition to lay foundations for the gospel where there are none, lest I build on somebody else's foundation. Let me just go clear a path and, and pour the cement hmm. where there where it's not yet and other people will come in and build the walls and put up the roof and all of those things. Um, I myself joined FAI almost accidentally. My, my friends were starting it. Um, but I just did not see myself. We were all in, in the South Pacific at the time we were in New Zealand and I had vision, dream, ambition, conviction that I felt was, was from the Lord to start what I was calling in my mind, a missional media production company. Hmm. And, and so Dalton and Anna were kind of shipping out to the Middle East. And I was literally like, 
peace out, you guys, better you than me. And I took them to the airport, kissed them goodbye, you know. And months later, I'm on a plane following them because I had, I sent Dalton an email one day and I said, you know, I've been thinking for a few years that somebody should do a film on the issue in theology of Israel as it relates to the Western church to, mm. to bring clarity to some confusion and calibrate us to some truths, not necessarily because I was burdened for Israel, but because I was burdened for the integrity of the revelation of God in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. You know, Tozer had like I read the knowledge of the holy by by A.W. Tozer when I was finishing mm-hmm. college a yeah. while back and his premise is that what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you yeah. because if when you think about God if something comes into you if you hold an idea of God that is not true it doesn't matter that you have good intentions it's not true That's and, right. and so we have to take full advantage of the way that he has disclosed himself. And, and and I think that the stage upon which the play is set and the character is portrayed is, is Israel and Jerusalem. But we have no background in film at this point. And Dalton is a trailblazer, you know, so he, he I was kind of hoping that he'd be like, let's talk about this later. And he immediately emailed me back and said, absolutely. Let's talk soon. Cause we were kind of like, you know, there's like YouTube, this is 2012 like there's this YouTube thing now like we could we could do something and just put it on YouTube right we had no idea what we were doing but we so we kind of stumbled into film thinking it would be a teaching resource because people don't really read books anymore mm-hmm. and then snowballed which is a, a another leg of the story but we put out the better friends than mountains first volume which was a, a field documentary about the growth of the gospel in Kurdistan during the Isis years and it blew up i mean for us it was you know we had like five fans on facebook and they were all of our moms and and all of a sudden we had twenty thousand views we had raised a ton of money for the refugee camps in kurdistan wow and we got flooded i mean like hundreds of people were emailing us like how do i move to kurdistan and we were like wait i'm sorry what and and recruitment and advocacy had always been a tenant you know in in our dna and so we then we were like oh Oh, film, teaching, mobilization, recruitment, advocacy, training. So in that regard, we really started to prioritize media. But I think, you know, depending on on the season that FAI was in as it formed, however people saw us, they were like, you're either a medical team going somewhere. And I don't have a medical background at all. Mm -hmm. Like I squirm, pops their shoulder. (laughs) Um, or like cracks their neck. I'm just like, well, what do you, what's wrong with your body? Um, or there have been times where people were like, oh, you guys just really like, like you make films and you travel to the field and, and do stuff, uh, you know, about people who are on the field. And we were like, no, we, we've blurred all of these lines just because we felt like it needed to be blurred. But the, the bottom line was always declare the, the name and, and worth of Jesus. And, so that was uh, December 2011 was when Dalton Anna officially, like that December 23rd is the birthday of FAI. So we're a little over seven years old now, 2012, I, I jumped in and as things have grown now, we have this multimedia library um, because we wanted to provide in a a way to kind of resource people who have the gospel while we work to reach those who don't Mm -hmm. and knit those two worlds together, bridge those two things together. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think one of the excitements, the exciting things for me was um, I mean, we, we all have, I mean, most Christians have some sort of outreach orientation and they're excited to see what's happening in other parts of the world that, that are inaccessible to us. Um, and, you know, when I, when I found your stuff, I thought, wow, I really want to see what's going on in the church over there. I want to hear about the gospel succeeding in these places that are oppressed and persecuted. Um, uh, you must be familiar with Tim Cassie. He's done a series of videos called uh, Dispatches from the Front, where he and... I- yeah, yeah. Yeah, he and his friend um they they just go around to all the places across the world where they've they have ministry contacts and show the church 
uh, in working in a certain culture uh, at different parts of the world. And uh, I've loved those. I've devoured all of those. Um, And you you guys are doing it in a very smaller focused region, getting into places where he perhaps doesn't have the, the access that you guys do. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah. I, I think it's fascinating that you have, um, gone at this first as a media company kind of, um, that's what got you into this. And now you guys are involved in a lot of, um, helping people, helping IDPs and, um, providing, uh, aid and that sort of thing. Correct. Well, yeah, I, it was kind of both at once on accident. Well, or at least the media followed the, the mission in a way because, mm. um, you know the first first wave of of FAI was boarding the plane and heading to the Middle East because this was you know the early early days of the Arab Spring the dawn of the Syrian civil war and conflict and and Dalton has a a pretty extensive background in in his why he came to the Lord when he was like 18 and he's in his early to mid thirties now. And, and almost immediately he was engaging in gospel based relief work hmm. and had some experiences that just lodged it in his, in his mind and in his gut that you, that conflict would open doors that would otherwise remain closed. Hmm. And so when things began to boil in the middle East, he felt like the Lord was like, Hey, it's time to go engage the Islamic world it's and and the Middle East is on the verge of hemorrhaging you know Um, and some would say that's not this is not the first time you know but it's certainly the most pressing in in our generation Mm -hmm. and and and, you know it didn't take long for people to to look at the crises emerging from the Middle East and say, this is the worst we've seen since the Second World War. This is the worst humanitarian crisis in Syria that we've seen since the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, we, we wanted to be able to stand before the Lord at the end of our days and, or, you know, or when he comes and, and say, we did the best that we could. Mm-hmm. We did not turn a blind eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had, I mean, like, I, you know, I, I just did not, the Middle East was not on my radar at all. It wasn't on my wish list at all. I'm not <laughs> one of those people who grew up thinking, I want to go serve on the field. I didn't. I wanted to move to Nashville. So, <laughs> <And laughs> you know, the Lord was like, that's cute. Um, <laughs> but I... I honestly, you know, I I left New Zealand around the time I, I was emailing Dalton. I had spent about a year studying, particularly the role of of song and scripture, but it just art in general, and um, was really gripped by. You know, you have a, an instance like the nation of Israel getting out of Egypt. They plunder Egypt on the way out, and when they get into the wilderness and begin their journey, when the Lord gave Moses the blueprints for the tabernacle, He said, "Hey." There's two guys here that I have gifted as artists mm-hmm. and, and they're skilled in, you know, all of these different things that you need to build this tabernacle, make it beautiful. And, and I, you know, my, my takeaway from that has been that creatives and artists are specifically gifted by God to create something beautiful wherein people can encounter Mm -hmm. the better beautiful that where people can encounter their maker and and you know in that case it was where he his presence was that's that's, he would dwell in that tabernacle to be with his people and and i think that scripture i think the judeo-christian worldview more more than anything that i've come across dignifies artisanship and creativity um, to an extent that I think that creatives bear, bear a burden of responsibility. I think songwriters bear a burden of Mm -hmm. responsibility that, um, you know, doesn't make 
the thing is that you're 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 then gifted as a messenger right. and i think that we need to i think we need to regain that i think part of the reason why we're we're in an age of you know we're kind of embarrassed by different christian media coming out is i think there's a few reasons for it two of them are that we haven't taken it seriously enough it was just kind of this cute thing that we do yeah. or we've tried to follow the way the world built the infrastructure yeah. to do it and that never yeah. worked anytime there was a hinge in history it was because somebody bucked the infrastructure yeah. Yeah. in or out of mm-hmm. the church and so we i you know i i don't think i would have made it in nashville because the blueprints the lord had given me were a missional media production company mm-hmm. meaning you had to, that we would build a even if a different financial infrastructure because we would need a different distribution mm-hmm. model which means that if i'm going to put food in my belly and keep my lights on i i have to figure out somehow to divorce those two mm-hmm. things because if i think if we're worried about a profit margin we are vulnerable to compromising prophetic integrity. Mm-hmm. If you're worried about whether or not what you're saying is going to be well-received and popular enough for you to pay your mortgage, then you're you're going to say whatever's going to sell. Right. And maybe the Lord is going to stir you to say something else, and then what do you yeah. do? And, and I just think that, you know, I wouldn't build a doctrine on, off of this. I, don't, I wouldn't put this on everybody, but it was really important for me that things be given away for free. Hmm. So when I called Dalton and we started talking about doing this film, he was like categorically on board, just all on every point we were on the same page. And I was like, Oh, I did not think, you know, on my list of people that I thought call these folks and, and build this thing together. I did not think call the guy who's starting a gospel based relief organization in the middle East but it was the first of many boxes that the Lord would break down hmm. for me. That's very interesting. I mean, it's exciting to hear you you explain how you guys didn't really know what you were doing in film. You had this passion, Not a clue. and but you're you've got these convictions that are driving you, and you don't care what the outcome is. I mean, that I think we need that. And, and when you when you compare yourself with, I mean, what you're doing with the music industry, the Christian music industry, you know, I've always been I've always struggled with the Christian music industry because at one point, I think if you if you took all of the, the music that we have, that we, we sing in, in thousands and hundreds of thousands of churches across the world, what is the theology that we're getting out of those those songs how deep is that theology and can you can you build a really good theology upon the net result of all those songs and you know i think there's a lot missing in there especially when you compare it to the depth of and majesty of the psalms you know we don't have very many laments in our our music which i think is is a a tragedy uh in Mm -hmm. christian music but you know when, when you're talking about this i'm thinking also yeah, one of the problems that we have is that a lot of our filmmakers um, probably aren't very deep theologically. And so that's why the films that come out, even though they might create be creatively um, substandard, theologically, they're also probably lacking in many ways. In fact, some of them are, you know, because we've seen them. Um, so, you know, I think you're right. There's this prophetic aspect of being a creative that has to be in place and that we have to strive for. Uh, and then we maintain that um, as our conviction, as we move forward. That's something I see you guys doing. I mean, the, the fact that we go there and we start to see all these films, plus then you have all these Bible studies on top of everything. You guys are really, um, you know, straddling both, you know, doing it right, pulling those things together for us. Yeah, you know, I one thing I've I've been thinking about a lot lately is that everybody is everybody upon conception you're given the gift of bearing the image mm-hmm. of God and you might blaspheme him all your days and you'll be held accountable yeah. for that but there's no command about bearing his image yeah. in vain. 
there is a command about bearing his name in vain. And I think when, when hmm. I, I think creative folks are, we love, you know, like that we were created and, and that we love that we bear the image of the creator. I don't, I, that's appropriate. We yeah. should love that. But I think that it's, difficult for us maybe especially in in like this day and age and all of the cultural nuances of the the, you know i'm a a child of the west i understand the west and you know the year 2020 um i think we have a hard time harnessing a wiring that might be quite idealistic or Mm -hmm. emotional or whatever in a way that we we don't bring it into maturity i think that we are almost, I, I, you know, maybe even would be afraid to be mature. If you're not sad anymore, what, what, what's going to happen to your yeah. songwriting? Um, but I think that if we can develop internal fortitude and have a plumb line in the word and walk in a spirit of revelation, which requires a life of prayer and mm-hmm. fasting, you know, like you have to be willing to be conformed into that kind of, disciples so that you can say something that's worth mm-hmm. hearing and i don't i just don't think that we we talk about that enough i think if you bear the image you bear the name you bear the message to whom much is given much will be right. required and i i i think we underestimate ourselves like we give the creatives kind of a pass we give the artists yeah. a pass for being emotional mm-hmm. or whatever. And, and then you have your pastors and your preachers, but those are different worlds. But, uh, there was a, a Scottish, I guess a, par- a parliamentary parliament member who was in the Scottish parliament. Uh, maybe a few years before the, the paperwork that made the union between Scotland and England's mm-hmm. kingdoms official, um, it was, it, it was a time of crisis in Scotland. They'd had this disastrous initiative in Panama that went mm-hmm. belly up. So they're now like their old, their only means of staying alive is England. And they've been trying to get out from under the English shadow for centuries. And he, this guy, Andrew Fletcher, very much opposed the union which of course they 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 did in 1707. So somewhere around 1703, 1704, he's recorded as telling a colleague. Uh, he was t- talking about a lot of things in Scot- Scottish culture that he wanted to correct, but he said, "You know what? The really frustrating thing is it doesn't you everybody in this room. They're all lawmakers and politicians." He said, "We all know it doesn't matter what laws we write. It's the balladeers who steer mm-hmm. the nation." We have to get the guys who write the songs yeah, to get the people right. on board. And because we're, we're wired that way, we, we sing what we believe and we believe mm-hmm. what we sing. And to that end, I think that we have to, we have to take the stewardship of like, messaging we have to take it seriously we can't divide poems from right. the pulpit and say one serious right. is not i agree I, I totally agree i mean even when you look at uh the rise of communism in certain countries you know the the place that they would spend a lot of their time watching and trying to recruit were the writers and artists and musicians uh, and filmmakers mm-hmm. uh, because they knew the power that that uh, media presented for mass change in a culture and uh, sure. and you bar the songs from the yeah. outside you don't watch the films from yeah, the outside that's right and that's what we're doing now and, and you know that that's that's where it's really exciting for us today in in this new world of media and the internet and distribution um Christians ha- don't have those gatekeepers anymore. We can do what we want. You guys are perfect examples of of setting up what you what you are convicted by, doing things your own way, and you didn't need some studio in LA or some some TV station in New York or somebody to answer to. You guys right. answer to yourselves, you answer to your conviction and 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 your God and Christ. 
I've always been baffled by how God's people can call themselves a people with a message. And yet through the, cent the past century, we've been a people with a message who have blundered one of the greatest tools in the world to communicate the message. I mean, we are not real. We don't have a big footprint in film or mass media. We don't have a command of that. And we're still in a place where we're struggling to find our place in this. And there's many reasons for that. But, you know, with this heart of wanting to be communicate our message, um, like, like you guys say on your website, you compare yourselves to the to Luther's use of the printing press. Luther saw the printing press as this amazing tool for advancing the gospel and work of the ministry. But somehow in our mm -hmm. history, in the church in the last century, we've lost that that need to use whatever tools that are at our disposal, and especially in the mass media, we've lost that. But you know, now we're in a new age and things are changing even for Hollywood. And I feel like it's a critical mm -hmm. moment where the church needs to stand up and cr Christians of conviction and who are creative need to step into this place uh, and now set our mark and learn this media and these tools and get at, you know, doing the work of the ministry, utilizing the media. And that's what you guys are doing. You're sort of at the forefront. You didn't really know what you were doing. And that's exciting to me because the Lord is behind what you're doing. And that's why you're having all this success and, and moving forward. And I think you're a, a very good example for other ministries. Um to, to, to step up and do things. I think in the West, we still have this, this tendency to make things a lot bigger and more complicated than we need to be. Uh, so I think there's this hesitancy of, you know, even trying to do the kinds of things you guys are doing, but we just have to be bold and get out there and allow ourselves to fail um, and not be afraid of failing and just get at doing the work. And, you know, we're seeing things change. Like Tim Challies has a new series out called Epic, where he's going around doing some things, sort of a documentary, just like Tim Cassie uh, did with Dispatches from the Front. And Samaritan's Purse did an excellent documentary on that Ebola crisis with uh, Kent Brantley called Facing Darkness. Um, so there's things happening, but it's still very uh, limited. And I, I think what you, you guys have done, what, eight? How many, how many films? Almost 10 films. Um, eight films eight in films. the last eight oh, yeah. years. And um, that's, that's remarkable. That's remarkable. But that that's in part because we've we've kept it really nimble. There's only a few of us, you know, and, and I, Dalton made this comment once before. Like if that was if film was all that we did, we we yeah. would do ten a year. And that's not because we're awesome. It's just because it, it's it's so much simpler than I think that um it, we we think that it is we've had a few people call us and go hey how yeah. are you doing this and what's your budget and what and 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 we don't have a budget we buy airplane <laughs> tickets and we fly somewhere and, then, and i mean like you said the what steve jobs did for our like basement and bedroom studios is like yeah. the printing press and if we can harness that then what that does the thing that made martin luther distinct it was that he had the word of the lord for his generation yeah. So that's what that's what we need. Yes. That's what we want. Like I can go write songs till kingdom come, but is it going to help people navigate the mm. days that they're in? And and Luther was he lived in the time that we call the Renaissance. The printing press was one of the children of the Renaissance. And the Renaissance came on the heels of the Black Death. And I think that, you know, even in I mean, I'm seeing this all over the internet now that people are, are all these artists are you know, musicians. They were supposed to be on tour. They're locked in their homes. What are you going to do? They're doing, there's this like in, campaign of encouragement to create anyway, or be, you know, everybody's kind of turning to Instagram, you know, doing live mm -hmm. shows and all of those things are great. But I think we're, what, what we're going to see is, um, we're having this conversation. How can we build something and move in a direction that's sustainable? So in the next, you know, knock on wood, but like say the next coronavirus, the next crisis, how, how can we um, not be shaken when, when mm -hmm. things are shaken? And when we emerge from it, how can we, 
can we offer somebody something yeah. that they need? Um, and I think, I, th- I think this is in scripture. I mean, you have prophecies concerning the return of the Lord and in all of that crisis and calamity and confusion, there are people with profound clarity and they're singing mm. the clarity. They're yep. singing a new song. So that's, I, I don't know that that's what we're doing, but mm. that's what we want to do. We want to be, cool. we want to be like that. What is the impact that you're seeing with your films? Well, I, you know, on one hand, we we all mm-hmm. we live in the Middle East, so I every now and then we'll go to like a film screening or where we can dialogue with people face to face, or we'll get emails. And particularly now with the app, it's just we've got literally thousands more people in our yeah. I don't want to say audience, but we've got more people mm-hmm. using our resources, and and therefore more more people reaching out to us. But there's this kind of beautiful hiddenness of it, like. We we work for, on these things for months or years, you know, like Covenant and Controversy. We're we're st- we've been working mm-hmm. on since 2012. We're still working on it. We've got two films left in the series. Um, but for all of that labor and intensity and stress, you just hit yeah. upload, <laughs> and then you're kind of like, well, oh, this fly away, <laughs> little child. And you do no um, marketing, right? There's no marketing except on your own platform, correct? Basically, we're we're tightening it up. Like with Sheep Two that, that came out last year, we we brought in a buddy who's got a he knows what he's doing with marketing, so he he helped walk us through some stuff that helped it get lift the visibility on it. Um, but oh gosh, oh like something like like Better Friends One when it came out, when when people are like, hey, I saw that film and it literally shifted life decisions that I made. There are people who are who are now serving in the 1040 window who weren't before or weren't thinking about it before. Everybody who applies to any of our training programs, that maybe this is different now because we're getting more applications, but I feel like it's still the same. Every time we ask somebody, how did you hear about FAI or what made you want to do this program? They yeah. say, I saw this film and I saw such and such film. And then it and then it just confronted me. What am I going to do with you know my days? And I don't think that the only appropriate response to any of our films is, oh, I have to move to the Middle East. But I would hope that our our films, our media, our podcasts, our you know we're we're moving now into music production, that it would push people into the beauty and worth of Jesus in a in a very real, tangible, actionable way. What does it mean for me, alive in two thousand twenty? How can I be loved by Jesus and love him in return? What is he doing and how can I partner with him in it? Um, so we do see, you know, we hear stories about that kind of thing. And we've got a ton of people who are now on our on our teams who joined us because of some of the stuff that we've put out. Um, but most of it, we have no idea and we won't yes, ever right. until the Lord returns. Walk me through the development and production of one of your films. How does it start? Um, well, something like, like I'll, I'll give to a contrast between two of them because, and then you have things in the that fall in between. But something like Covenant and Controversy, we were like, okay, there is a dearth of clear resources on the everlasting covenant and why Jerusalem matters. So. And it's it's not an elephant that you can hug in one film. So how do we? We saw a, a need on a kind of on a pastoral level, really. And when it first began, we were like, "We'll do it. we'll just do a film and we'll put it on YouTube by the end of the year." So we thought Christmas twenty thirteen, this thing's going to be on YouTube. And then we would we got into it again. We had no idea what we were doing. So now we can look back and say. Oh, we were in pre-production. <laughs> Other people would call that pre-production, but for us, we were, we were making a movie. Um, but we could not figure out. We had it scripted. You know, you have your intro, your three points, your conclusion. Um, but we couldn't figure out how to responsibly handle all of the content in ninety minutes. 
And Dalton kept saying, I, th- I really think we need to consider a series. And I was like, bro, we don't know how to make one of these things. We can't get one of these things out the door. And you want to make like three to five, you're crazy. And also brilliant. Yes, we have to make a series. So then we sketched out, we took that outline and gave the intro its own film, the three points, their own films, the conclusion, their its own film. And then treated all of them like a sermon or a teaching. If you were to go talk, you know, what would your points be and, and bring that together. And then we, you know, throw a black sheet up on the wall and light it, get somebody sitting in front of it. We, you know, film it. We, we, we found black magic cameras, their hardware and their software, their, their color grading software and editing software was a huge gift. And again, this is all Mm. like, we would not be able to do what we're doing now if we had started 10 years earlier because just this, the tools weren't available. Um, it would, you know, you can't, now we can pack studios into our backpacks and fly across the world and just make it work. Um, and then for a long time, he wouldn't, Dalton will never say this publicly, but I can say it cause I'm not him, but he has done, he carried our, most of the filming. We had a really small, you know, a lot of the filming would be in just any of us on our team. So depending on the film, depending on the project, Something like The Frontier was filmed by a long list of FAI personnel because now we have cameras in every location. Um, the Covenant series for a long time was really just Dalton and this guy Mark, who's our DP, he's from Australia, just unbelievable <laughs> eye and gift and just the Lord just kind of brought him to us before we knew that we needed him. And then Dalton would take all of our hard drives with all of the footage and go sit in the cave, you know, for weeks and months, stitching everything together, color grading, everything, doing all the sound stuff. And now the team has grown where the Lord's brought in people with, who know, the trade and craft, but it's still a really small, nimble team. But part of the reason why we were churning so much out mm. was because it was kind of a one-stop shop. So this is what Dalton would never say publicly, but I can say that dude is a one-stop shop filmmaker. He can just knock it out. Um, so Covenant was much more, we, we planned it, we, we've strategized, we've written it out, we've started it and started over and different things. Something like Better Friends, Better Friends of the Mountains started because we had sent, we weren't even living in Iraq yet. We didn't have a team in Iraq yet, but we were exploring and we, we had some connections there, um, so we sent a, a really small team with medicine and a doctor to do short-term clinics and, and some refugee camps from folks who had fled Western Iraq when ISIS came in, moved to the East and, and you know, didn't have their high blood pressure medicine anymore. And we had two black magic pocket cinnamon cameras at the time. I had one and Dalton had one. So we sent both of those cameras and Dalton just said, hey, guys, film everything. We'll do some dispatches, you know, like this is what ministry looks like in – it was like six months after ISIS had taken Mosul. So it was just – he was just thinking, we'll just – we'll post some short videos so people know how they can pray, how they can engage. We'll advocate for this ministry that's working on the ground. And when he arrived, mm-hmm. he heard this proverb that the Kurds have had for centuries, that the Kurds have no friends but the mountains. They're the largest – stateless people group in the world they have always been kind of the street dog that gets kicked around in the middle east and he was so burdened that the people of jesus be better friends than mountains that we prove that proverb wrong so he looked at all of the all the guys on the team and said guys just roll everything film everything because the story needs to be told and then they got stuck in the airport on the way out waiting for some fog to lift. So he starts doing a color wash on all of the footage. And by the time he got home, he's starting to stitch this thing together. And it was up on the internet within wow. I don't know, three, four weeks. Wow. It was just such a fast turnaround because he got gripped with it and the story kind of wrote itself. Um, he just had his ear to the ground and, and responded to it. And so... You know, and then the I would say that any other film has kind of fallen in between those two things of either like highly thought out or hmm. kind of spontaneous, just fell in his lap. 
So what, is there any, um, so you, you're basically doing a documentary kind of thing where you sort of have a, a scripted idea of where you're going to go and then you assemble the footage and in the editing process, you sort of find the film uh, based upon that. Um, and then once you put it up, uh, did, I, did I get that right? Uh, and once you put it up, is there any marketing that, that you, you mm -hmm. are involved in or that you do? Yeah, I mean, we'll do, we have the trailers and we, um, you know, we might boost something on Facebook. Sheep 2, we were a bit more strategic with email campaigns and uh, mm -hmm. targeted ads. But it's, at the end of the day, you're at the uh, mercy of the internet. It's either going to yeah. carry you along or ride over you. Well, with the amount of content you guys are putting up, it's going to naturally grow uh, just for the volume of the content yeah. and the traffic yeah. that's uh, continuing. That's really interesting. So your your crew generally consists of what a few, one or two people. Uh, when you go out to shoot. Yeah, I mean, we we could send two. I think, like sheep, like sheep two, because of the the nature of the film and and the folks that we were interviewing, because it, it focused on the underground church in iran that was real small so like three people went you know or three like the dalton joel and and mark helped shoot that and dalton and, and mark were carrying cameras um covenant is like <clears throat> covenant's like our darling child you know and so now anytime we're we're doing those production trips it, it might be a little bit more we we could plan those in advance and bring some We've had friends hop on, you know, and yeah, join the join the crew. So, yeah. so when you find your crew, are they are they people who are ministering already in a certain region, or do you bring in freelancers who are film people or cameramen or sound? Um, oh no, it's they're like FAI okay. team folks living on the field or you know if we've got buddies or something like there we've got a friend in the states who's a a pilot who also built his own drone that was like better than any drone we could have bought and so and he became our aerial huh. cinematographer you know so he flies in from the states oh, cool. sometimes um so yeah, yeah it, and they raise their own support or they do it on their own dime is that it yeah yeah hmm. interesting yeah. So where's the central location of FAI Studios? The Golan Heights. It's in Golan Heights where you are. Oh. Yep. Yeah, of course, makes sense. We've got a soundstage and studio. Every house in the Golan Heights is built with a bomb shelter. So the bomb shelter, we've got, a, I'm in a, a team house with a few of us, and then Dalton and his wife and kids live a few doors down from us. So all both of the bomb shelters, and then we've got some basement storage <laughs> that's converted to sound room, sound stages. It's, you know, we're on lockdown for like six weeks now. We just kind of looked around and we're like, you know, yeah, <laughs> we could just sit in this room and film stuff. Well, you guys probably have so much footage you could reuse and reconstitute for, you know, another project. Yeah, we have a graveyard of hard drives full of beautiful stuff. So what's the, the future of FAI Studios? What Where are you guys headed? Do you have a game plan for, you know, the next five years or? Yeah, we've got a... Uh, handful of of other films that kind of you know we we could start tomorrow if we could travel um we've got to finish out the covenant series so that's the five film series three of them are done we were supposed to start production on film four but then you know mm -hmm. the world went into quarantine um but we are are really going to start hammering the the message of what we call the the ruins of the renaissance like we've seen a pandemic cripple the earth before and out mm -hmm. of that came one of the most creative right. epochs in human history but it wasn't calibrated to the word of the lord and it kind of imploded mm -hmm. in on itself and, and paved the road for humanism and postmodernism and, and a litany of other things so yeah. um we want to 
I just think that that the world deserves better and deserves clarity and truth. And um, we we've music was always kind of the the not final mountain, you know, or, or thing, but we were figuring out how to do films first. We were figuring out how to do graphic design. We were figuring out how to do, how to start, you know, new relief initiatives and in closed areas. And, and now is, we just feel like it's, it's time to move into music production. So that's, that'll be a huge emphasis for us moving forward and blending mm-hmm genres blending film with music with teaching and preaching and stuff so we've got some some ideas we're developing cool. but i think it's i think one of the advantages you guys have is that you know maybe you see it as a, as a a weakness but the fact that you don't have any baggage of how film should be made yeah. <laughs> sort of frees you and lets you do what you do and do things yeah. differently which i find is very exciting yeah, yeah, that's been really helpful. I mean, I, I've been in the film industry all my life, pretty much, uh, in some capacity, and the amount of instruction and guidance and reading this book and this program, you know, it's it's all very formalized. But you know, then when you look throughout cinema history, then you see a movement like the French New Wave, which I keep bringing up, um, just because the French New Wave. Um, these these filmmakers didn't have the resources they had to sort of invent things on their own and they were balking against uh the the typical hollywood fare and so they just decided to do things their own way and you know the the equipment became more portable it wasn't bound to studios and these huge cameras and all this they could actually run out and go do things uh and they sort of defined a whole new um, low budget, um, very avant-garde kind of filmmaking style that then Hollywood started looking at going, Hey, we want to do stuff like these guys. <laughs> so I think, you, you know, That's we're so in an funny. age now where we can be doing that as Christian filmmakers. We're not beholden to anything. We can go do what we want without the, the, the baggage of what Hollywood has established, uh, in the past and how things are done, we can do things our own way and we can do things new ways because, you know, the technology allows us to do things differently and the audience's ability to consume uh, all the variety of different kinds of media. We're seeing the envelope constantly being pushed. And that's what I like about you guys is different. And um, I think that's an incredible advantage that you have um, yeah, as filmmakers. Yeah. yeah, I agree. It was a gift in because your goal, as you said, your goal right. is the word of God. Your goal is to, to maintain the conviction of the truth of God and speak into the culture. And that is your overriding emphasis rather than um, production values and that sort of thing. Uh, you're, 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 you're content driven, not um, framework driven, yeah. I guess, be a way I say it. Oh. So what's the future of Stephanie Quick? Music production. So you're going to segue out of doing the films and focus more on the music side? No, we'll just we'll just uh, do all of them. But I'm I'm spending a lot of time right now going through production tutorials and, and mm. just sitting in the little bomb shelter downstairs, tracking and <laughs> deleting and tracking again and tweaking different knobs and figuring out what they do. So, mm. yeah. One thing I think uh, if I could suggest that you think about um, doing is, is putting your FAI sort of manifesto for filmmaking into a, a book or at least an ebook, because I think oh, it's, we'll it. Oh, good. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me know when it's we'll out. <laughs> out by the end of the year. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Because I think that philosophy is is something that can help um, energize filmmaking. I think if if people who love Jesus and they want to create beautiful things, if we can be willing to go live out in the wilderness and, you know, wear camel's clothes and eat locusts and honey, (laughs) you know, I I, I think we could really do something really significant. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, 1 Corinthians 3, when the Lord comes, there's a... 
there's a fire in his coming that tests our works and a lot will will get burned up in that fire but it's going to find the gold and pull the gold that, that'll stand in eternity yeah mm-hmm. and if if that can be our measure of success hiddenness in this age but trophies in eternity that yes. bore fruit and moved hearts to allegiance to Jesus then then I, I honestly, I think we can do anything. I don't think there's a ceiling on it. I think the Lord is so eager to find hearts who are his, who rely on him. So he, on whose behalf he can show themselves strong. Mm-hmm. I think anybody can do anything. Yeah. That's great. Where can people find Frontier Alliance International? Uh, FAImission.org. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can... If you go to faimission.org slash app, A-P-P, then you can, it's got, you know, whatever device you're using, you can download yeah. the FAI app. And the app is amazing. I love the app. That's a fantastic yeah. tool. Thank you. And if you're hearing this and you're like, I don't have a smartphone, everything in, most things in the app, the media stuff will populate at faistudios.org. Um, so you can, well, all of our app stuff is. is yeah. You also have a Roku channel, I saw. Yeah, I think that's through the app platform. Oh, oh, interesting. Like it, we we worked with with uh, Subsplash, so kind of like with a podcast, you you have a host for your podcast, and then they populate it in all of these different channels, yeah. and so oh, it populates it on Roku. Stephanie, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. It's exciting to see what you guys are doing in the Middle East making films and using this media to advance the kingdom and make Jesus Christ known. And uh, I, I, you are an example and an inspiration uh, to me. <clears throat> and I think to many who will listen to this podcast and I hope to have you guys back on again. <laughs> yeah, love that. Thank you so much. You can find Frontier Alliance International at faimission.org or search for their very extensive app on your mobile device. The app is the primary platform for their content distribution. There will be links in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Ministry of Motion Pictures podcast. You can find us on the web at ministryofmotionpictures.org. What we do in life echoes in eternity.